How could humans and AI systems collaboratively create interesting, novel forms of music? Now Tokui is interested in answering questions just like this. He'd like to develop tools and systems that look different from Music LM and the declarative interfaces you might have seen recently, where you merely tell a system what you want and have it make the artifact for you. Now's AI DJ project, which you'll hear about in this episode, never sought to replace humans. Rather, now wanted to explore how a human DJ and an AI system could, together, generate music more interesting than either could create alone. And so, with his musical pursuits as a background, now looks at AI a little bit differently. In his recent book, he uses the analogy of surfing to articulate his vision for what human-AI collaboration could look like. I think you'll take away a lot of lessons from his work about artistic creation, originality, and how we might think about AI systems a bit differently ourselves. This is the Gradient Podcast, and I am your host, Daniel Bashir. If you enjoy these episodes, you can follow us wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. You can also follow us on Substack to get regular notifications whenever we release a new article, newsletter, or podcast episode. You can also find our online magazine at thegradient.pub, where we regularly publish essays by the sorts of people I interview on the podcast. And finally, if you enjoy the episode, it would mean a great deal to us all if you'd consider leaving us a review on whatever podcast player you're using to listen to this episode. It helps more listeners like you find what we're doing and helps us bring in more interesting guests for you to listen to. But now, without further ado, now, Tokui. Now, you have been doing a lot of really exciting work, I think, in what could be kind of described as HCI, but really specifically uh, this intersection between AI and music. And you have such an interesting way of thinking about how these disciplines come together that I want to get into. But I'd love to start with our usual question about how AI came to be a part of your life, but then also how music came to be a part of your life. What's, what's the story here? Okay, so, well, um, I was a computer science student back in uh, around 2000, and I started DJing and making music uh, by myself. And uh, one day, I saw um, art installation using AI, especially like evolutionary computation and genetic algorithm. Maybe nowadays people... Mm -hmm don't call genetic algorithms as AI, but uh, mm -hmm. anyway, uh, so I saw an installation and it was so interesting. The the author, I mean, the artist mentioned and described the installation as like, um, so he obviously developed the software and the system, but he said he couldn't predict what coming out from the installation and uh, it, it's it's like a computer graphics uh, installation but uh, I was so uh, fascinated the notion 
of, you know, you make something and that, that something can create something unique, which you cannot predict or you cannot explain why it's coming out. So uh, the reason why I was so fascinated by this concept was that, so I started making music and DJing, but I don't play any musical instrument and I don't have any musical backgrounds. So I was uh, struggling to create something unique. So I wanted to try, you know, I, I want to extend and enhance my own musical creativity with uh, computer science uh, knowledge and background, or maybe I was a bit lazy, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I thought it's a good idea to use AI or you know com uh, computer programming to uh, create music. So yeah, that's how I got into AI and music. I want to come back to this theme of the struggle to create something unique, to create something original. And I think that we'll have much more to dive into as we talk about some of your specific projects. But music-wise, I mean, you have a, a really pretty impressive array of work as well. You you collaborated with New Jabez, which is like really, really cool to hear about. Can you tell me just a little bit more about how that interest in, in DJing and, and making music developed for you and some of those experiences? So first I got into music as uh, like a hip hop <laughs> and, uh, listener. And uh, I, I was so into like black music and, uh, you know, uh, those kind of uh, dance music in a way. And uh, also I started listening uh, to more experimental stuff like FX Twin or Oteka, those kind of electronic experimental uh, music. So I wanted to, also I uh, started going to clubs, like nightclubs. And uh, I, as I said, I started uh, DJing. So I always wonder how I can combine those experimental stuff with more you know, approachable and more engaging music, such as like dance music or like mainstream hip hop, uh, black music. So in a way, I want to use AI to create something unique and experimental, but I, at the same time, I want to make people dance over my music. <laughs> so that's kind of uh, unique, uh, unique, you know, attitude. I have. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that your some of these experiences that happened for you in music when you released your first album, this was while you were at the same time doing a PhD in AI and human computer interaction. And I feel like human computer interaction offers such an interesting set of perspectives on, I mean, all of the problems in AI, but for you specifically as somebody who would really like to both provide something for, for DJs, for the people who want to create music with AI systems, but then also from the perspective of, well, I'm offering something for both myself and for other DJs, for other music creators to, as you said, 
create music that makes people dance, that you really want to infect people. Do you do you think that the I, I guess could you tell me a little bit, I guess, about how the studies you were doing in your PhD, maybe specifically the perspectives of HCI, if that kind of had some import at the time for how you were beginning to think about, you know, things like what would eventually become the AI DJ project. Okay. Uh, so back in my PhD uh, time, I was working on a concept of generative human computer interaction. So people tend to think uh, AI and, you know, computer software is like a, just a, a toolbox or tool so that you can use those tools to materialize your ideas or materialize your thoughts into like a physical form or kind of some kind of uh, concrete uh, output. But I think, uh, as I said, I struggled to create something unique in uh, music-wise. And uh, so I, I, yeah, I don't have concrete idea to materialize through AI and software. So I, I think it's super interesting to use AI to kind of get new ideas from outside of your imagination or outside of your creativity. So you can use AI to deviate from your original idea or original uh, thought to get something unique, which is outside of your reach or outside of your imagination. So I, I named that kind of interaction, uh, generative human computer interaction. So the idea is AI is not just a toolbox that you make some kind of commands or order to the, the, the AI system, then AI realizes that uh, it, it's it's more like collaboration or it's more like uh, call and responses in music performance. Right, right. It's like a, it's interesting to look at this from the perspective of the people who think about what are we trying to do with AI in the first place? How is it similar and dissimilar to humans? I've spoken to some people who study this from the perspective of psycholinguistics and natural language. And at once, there is this sense in which, well, you might be interested in convergent ways in which natural language processing systems can help us study humans and find ways to make them more similar to humans. But as AI systems exist today, you look at natural language processing systems as an example, but then also generative AI systems of other sorts, they're very different from the way in which you and I interact with the world, right? In which we reproduce things. And so I think for, for artists, for people like you, there's like a way to, to leverage that difference, right? In a collaboration that's a lot more fruitful because you have this system that is, if you want to call it something that has cognition, that cognition is fundamentally different from ours in a lot of important ways. Mm. I think it's uh, it's kind of advantage of AI to have like a different cognition, so to speak. Uh, so uh, I, I, I like 
calling AI as alien intelligence. So <laughs> it's not necessarily a perfect copy or imitation of, hum of human intelligence or human cognition. So it's different. That's why it's interesting in a creative process. So yeah, that's why I really, uh, I'm, I'm into using AI in my creative process. Because you can get new ideas and new uh, concepts uh, from the interaction between uh, AI. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's precisely what you were talking about earlier when you saw that art installation and the artist said something to the effect of, well, I can't predict what this system is going to do next. And so it's, I think, especially good if you don't have that model of its, of its internal workings to the point where you can predict everything that's going to happen. You really don't want that to be the case, right? Exactly, exactly. But uh, it's important to mention that it's not total chaos, you know. You, ha you have some sort of uh, expectation and you have some, some level of control over the system. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting uh, to be in the middle of like total control and total chaos. So it's like, for me, it's like a floating between these two states. Mm, it's a, yeah, it's a bit of a, a happy medium, either both ends of the spectrum or, or a bit of a controlled chaos, perhaps. I'd love to introduce at this point some of the, the specific work you've done. So you founded Cosmo and you've been working on something very interesting called the Newtone Project. And I think that in this current work, you've been sort of exploring this question that we brought up about can AI help us create new and, and original music? Could you tell me a little bit about how that question developed into, into what you're doing now with these projects? Well, uh, so... Um, it's a long story, but, uh, yeah, I, I've been always uh, interested in making something new and original. That's why, yeah, I, I started using AI at the first place. And, uh, I kind of, uh, realized that nowadays, uh, generative AI is like, uh, it became more like an automation tool. So you can create, uh, you can generate uh, images and now music with just text command or text input. And uh, it's great. Uh, it's, uh, it can enhance human creativity, but in a way, I feel like it's just uh, those generative AI systems are uh, just mimicking what human artists and creators uh, have been creating. So I want to have a different kind of generative AI system or generative uh, models. And uh, I think it's crucial to let artists misuse uh, those tools. I mean, it's in important to provide tools that, uh, I, I mean, it's important to provide tools which artists can misuse or you know use it freely as they wish. So um, that's why I started uh, working on this 
project called Newton, and Newton is like a, uh, it's meant to be、um, like a new musical instrument in AI、uh, era. And、uh, to be more precise,、uh, Newton is like a universal host for AI real time audio models. So you can host any PyTorch models into、uh, this Newton plugin. Then you can use the plugin on any DAWs, like digital audio workstations,、uh, like Logic or Ableton or whatever. And、uh, the Important point is that artists can、uh, train their own model. for we, So, we provide scripts for artists to train their own models. And uh, so, uh, artists and the musicians can train their own model and host it on、uh, the plugin. And they use it、uh, as, you, as they wish. So, this Kind of、uh, empowerment through misusable AI tool is kind of my、um, agenda right now. I love how you articulate and think through all of this. And I do want to spend a second on some of these higher level themes. The first one you brought up was, of course, about this question of, well, these generative AI systems that I can type in some text. And it can generate for me an image or it can generate music. That's interesting. And, and there are ways in which I feel like maybe because of the cool prompts that I've come up with, the ways I've, I've done that, that I'm creating something. But to what you said, these models, I think Ted Underwood puts this really well in calling them very much models of culture and that they've imbibed, right? What is sort of the cultural moment of the type of art we look at? And so, in, in this way, it's very much an, an act of recombination in a lot of important ways, right? And so, intuitively, it, it feels a little bit hard to say you're creating something new. But at the same time, when you look to a lot of criticisms of different types of music people see, you see very much the same criticism leveraged against people, right? This person. Has just sampled this track from somebody else. They're kind of taking ideas from here and there. And so you often hear、um, different ways in which people will encourage you to be creative by stealing from other artists, by recombining things. And so I suppose that makes me wonder how, how you think about this question of, of originality and creativity. What do, what do those terms mean to you? Well, I, I mean, I don't oppose to the concept of sampling. Of course, I, I grew up in the hip hop culture. So, yeah, hip hop culture in Japan. <laughs> But,、uh, yeah, so I don't oppose to sampling. But now I feel like、uh, how those、uh, generative AI model is presented or generative AI system is presented to the、uh, users, it's, it's problematic. Like in those systems, like Stable Diffusion or Dali, as I said, you can create like end result with one click and one input. It's not, it's not, like, sub, it's not like sampling to make something unique. 
I mean, in, in something, you have to combine different output in your own way. So you have, you have to come up with good, um, you have to find good materials and you have to mix them together and present it in your own way to something, uh, to make something unique. But in the, the current system, you can just generate uh, the end, end result with one click. It's not like mixing uh, something. So yeah, that's why, uh, again, I don't oppose to any generative AI models, but we have to have better interface that let users mix and juxtapose uh, different output and create something unique in their own taste or, you know, in their own style. Yeah, this is this is interesting to me for maybe maybe uh, another way to put this or another distinction is when I'm dealing with the model, as you said, uh, there is a declarative sense in which I want this type of output, right? I want a, a song, I want a visual landscape, a picture that looks this way. And so it is recombining stuff, but the, the end purpose is scripted out, right? And I think with what you're saying, there's sort of a, a top-down dictation that comes with that. Like the form of the whole thing is prescribed. When a human is sort of combining things in their own way, well, there's more of a bottom-up sense in which this happens, right? You've sampled the tracks. These are things I like. And in a way, the output, maybe I do have like a feeling I want to generate with that. Maybe I want this to be exciting. I want people to dance. Maybe I want people to be sad. But the the your own way aspect of this, there's a, a set of differences, right? Like your mood can influence the final output of the things you mix together, the time of day, all these different things. And so there's also very much this process knowledge almost, right? You as a musician have spent so much time with mixing tracks together, things like that, that you just have this kind of feel for it that you can't really articulate to another person, right? And that's very much anti-programmatic in a sense. Yeah, yeah. so every individual has his or her unique history or background and his or, his or her unique taste. So that makes uh, human artists or human musicians interesting and unique. So... Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to have uh, AI that dictates everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's um, there's definitely the you know the the standard kind of criticism that people make about foundation models, right? The way in which there's a consolidation of the ways in which things will get created. If everybody is using the same set of AI music models, or if those AI music models that are available are all trained on similar data using similar techniques, even if you have a few different options, then again, there's that classic worry, which is an even greater risk in, in the artistic pursuits of things just starting to look more and more the same. And that's really something you do not want to see. Exactly. Yeah, nowadays, a stable diffusion or any other image generation model or you know, music gen 
uh, or any you know music generation models, uh, these models can generate images or audio that have like appearance of authenticity. <laughs> but it, it yeah, so it looks like something. It looks like Picasso, but it looks like you know Hayao Miyazaki, or <laughs> it sounds like Nujabes, but it's not. Uh, it it sounds very generic and very predictable, and in a way, it's it becomes kind of boring. So yeah, so but still, human artists and musicians. Can combine those uh, kind of boring output or generic output in very unique way to and create something new. So I I, I always think like generative AI makes every human being uh, a DJ. <laughs> so you you know you can combine uh, existing styles and existing contents. Um, in your own way and create something new. So that's the uh, uh, exciting aspect of generative AI models. Yeah, no, I, I've seen musicians play with these ideas where they'll mix different genres of like, like you know, funk and rock together. And it's just these, I mean, to what you said about making rhythms, making music that I just couldn't have imagined before. I've definitely heard songs from from different artists that I enjoy that I literally just couldn't have imagined that existing until I, I actually heard the track, right? And that seems like the kind of thing that you do want to get at, because just as you said with the generative AI systems, I think that's maybe one way to think about it and that I could have imagined this kind of track existing before I heard it, but sometimes you, you just listen to something and you're, you're just like, I, I can't, I can't have imagined like those two kind of moods or, or musical ideas existing together in, in the same piece or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Another thing that you, you mentioned earlier, as you were talking about Cosmo and Newtone that I'd love to hear you elaborate on a little bit is about misuse. And I think you've talked about this in your presentations before where you discuss the history of music and technology that combined history as a history of, of misapplied, misused technology. Can you tell me a little bit more just about your perspective on that history, like some examples of ways in which people have, have misused technology and how that's kind of evolved in this way? Yeah, sure. So I, you know, I was born in Japan and grew up in Japan, and I'm so proud of being Japanese when I when I see 808 like TL808 drum machine uh, Roland produced in back into uh, 80s and uh, so basically this uh, Roland TL808 drum machine was supposed to be um, like uh, alternative for human drummers so if you don't have any drummers in your band you can still uh, create a you know a demo tape or something uh, with this machine and uh but uh many uh hip-hop artists and other you know house music artists or djs they started using this drum machine to 
create something unique and this uh, bass drum sound of uh, TL-808 was so unique and so distinctive. That's why it uh, became kind of symbol of new genre uh, such as hip hop and dubstep and drum and bass and you know and many other music genres. So for me, it's uh, interesting to see uh, the the discrepancy between original idea of imitating human uh, drummers and uh, actual use cases. And the reason why we have hip hop and drum uh, drum and bass and dubstep was that uh, those hip hop artists misused uh, TL-808 drum machine in their uh, own unique way. So I appreciate the uh, this kind of con- uh, concept of misuse. So especially when it comes to AI, uh, AI tend to be very uh, black box, opaque system. So it's hard to uh, misuse. I mean, um, if it's a physical system or a physical musical instrument, such as um, turntable or drum machine, it's e- relatively easy to misuse. So for example, you can scratch on turntable. I mean, you can um, uh, you know, use drum machine for different purposes, but uh, AI is different, uh, especially musicians don't necessarily have technical background or technical skills. So they don't know how to uh, use new AI tools uh, in their own way, unless somebody uh, provide those AI tools as a, like a misusable tool, misusable kind of tangible tool. Yeah, that's why I said it's kind of uh, problematic how uh, stable diffusion or DALI is presented to the users because the users don't have technical background to misuse those tools. Yeah, so yeah, so I always think this concept of uh, misusable tools uh, is uh, super important. Yeah, it's in a sense, so you, you talk about how commercial tools that are often too well packaged, they can't be misused. And the cases like Dolly, like your other systems, in, in one sense, yeah, they are too programmer oriented. And then in another sense, if you just look at the, well, I can take stable diffusion, I can take Dolly, and I can only access it through a text box. In that sense, it is also a little bit too well packaged to really misuse, right? You can't like go into the model itself. You can't really fiddle with it. Even if going into the model itself might require a bit of technical experience, but even then it's just like, okay, if I can only interact with you through a text box, there there isn't that much interesting stuff you can do there. Hmm. But maybe to be fair, uh, I, I should acknowledge that Stable Diffusion open sourced uh, their system so that this is any, yeah, any programmers who has uh, technical skill can create something out of stable diffusion. So I, I should acknowledge and I should 
appreciate <laughs> that fact. It's it's important to appreciate, yes. So let's talk a little bit about some of your other work. I think one that would be really exciting to discuss is Dawn Patrol and maybe some of your research on AI-based music production. But this was a 12-inch vinyl record that you produced. Could you tell me a little bit about how this came about? Yeah, so, so I was so active uh, in early 2000, I, I mean, in terms of music production. So I released an album, and as, as you mentioned, I collaborated with uh, Nuja Bass uh, for, the, for his 12-inch. Uh, and after that, I was... Uh, I have been occupied uh, by my uh, research and businesses, and so I couldn't uh, find time to produce new music. But finally, uh, last year, uh, partially due to COVID lockdown and stuff like that, I had time to spend uh, on music production. So I... um, decided to make a vinyl record. And uh, in this system, uh, so in this production, I used a few different uh, AI systems. The first one is uh, LSTM-based rhythm generator plugin for Ableton Live. So it's it's relatively simple and very uh, small, AI model, and uh, the the point is, I can train my own rhythm generation model within the Ableton Live software, so within the digital audio uh, workstation. So I I collected a bunch of rhythm patterns in MIDI format, and I trained a small model on that data set on, on my custom data set. And I use that uh, model to generate uh, listen patterns in MIDI. And uh, yeah, I use that as uh, like a backbone of my uh, tracks. And the other model I used was uh, uh, audio classification model. So again, uh, I really like to be surprised by AI. So <laughs> I collected uh, thousands of uh, audio clips from YouTube and uh, I used uh, this uh, sound classification model to find interesting sound. In this case, I use uh, this classifier to find human voices and and also uh, drum sound, like kick sound and snare and hi-hat sound. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I also used uh, uh, like pitch detection, uh, convolutional neural network. So I can, I could lay, I, I could lay all samples onto my keyboard uh, depending on the pitch and everything was from YouTube and everything sounds like human voice. So I could play with my keyboard with uh, those uh, samples collected from YouTube. So yeah, I use that system to create like uh, a sued uh, melody, uh, like human 
human voice melody or something. Yeah, yeah. Another idea of yours that I really liked that I was reminded of when you mentioned the audio classification model was,、um, if I recall correctly, you were working on、um, again, I think, right, where you were. Generating so so you had as your discriminator something like this audio classification model, and then you were basically trying to fool it and have your generator create some music that like didn't fall into any of the audio classification categories, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I use uh, that uh, jam framework. Uh, it's called Creative Jam、uh, Framework or、yeah. Creative Adversary Network. So usually jam framework has only one discriminator. That dis,、uh, discriminate、uh, training data and generate generated data, but I added genre classifier, genre classification discriminator to the framework, so that generator the、uh, the generator was supposed to confuse this genre classif- classifier model as well, so I can get like.、Uh, My my assumption was I can get some authentic rhythm pattern that don't belong to any of those genres, and、uh, yeah, I, it, it was super fun.、Uh, I got very unique、uh, rhythm pattern. To me, it was so exciting. But I I played that rhythm pattern. In a nightclub, <laughs> one day,、oh, yeah. But, yeah, my friends told me it's 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 not danceable, but、uh, I I really liked it. I guess humans need some regularity and rhythm if they're actually if they're actually gonna dance. I think this might be a, a good place to dive kind of headfirst into your AI DJ project, and we talked about a lot of things that are kind of related to this. But I think in here are maybe. Kind of coming together, a lot of the ideas we've begun to touch on, both on the sides of how you think about AI and music and their intersection, and how you come at it from the technical perspective. So, could you tell me a little bit about maybe the beginnings of this project, and maybe where I'll start with that is your project, at least as I understand it, you never sought to automate humans away. This was never I'm going to build. An AI DJ that sits in the place of a human DJ. It was always this interactive. I want to build something to enable humans who are DJing themselves. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't mean to. I don't.、Uh, I, yeah. I don't mean to automate、uh, the process of AI.、Uh, sorry, process of DJ with AI. So as I said in the beginning, I started DJing back in around two thousand. So it's. Kind of,、uh, so I have, I I have developed my own way to do DJ. So I wanted to break that、uh, convention in a way,、uh, or my own、um, custom, so that I can get new idea as a DJ. So I always think AI as a mirror. Uh, so if I create AI that mimic me, then I can look into the system and tell how I do what I do more、uh, more closely. So so I started making this 
AI DJ software、uh, in 2015. And uh, uh, it was meant to be back to back DJ session with AI. So I play one song, then AI can select next song depending on what I played. And、uh, then, then I can uh, select uh, next song、uh, after AI selection. So, this back and forth process is very interesting for me. And it tells me,、uh, as I said, how I play and also how I could play. <laughs> I mean, as a DJ, I, I mean, Any human DJ has their own style, and you know what he or she can play in a DJ set. So, every DJ develops such concept. And by playing with AI, I could break this kind of concept of what I, could, I can play and what I cannot play. And、uh, so AI gave me new ideas of how I can play. So, for example, I, uh, this, this uh, story is a story I have been talking、uh, to people. So, but uh, anyway, uh, so in one rehearsal, I play a techno song, and、uh, AI selected more like a jazz song. So, as a DJ, it's a No, no, basically. I, I don't play any jazz、uh, record after techno, but when I mix those two, it sounds amazing. It sounded amazing. So I, I got goosebumps. And、uh, yeah, so this kind of, how can I say, like open mindedness AI showed was very interesting to me. Right, because I guess as a, as a DJ, and you know, I'm not a DJ, so I'm just kind of speaking out of what I've heard here, but it seems like there are some constraints when you're going from one song to the next. So you can maintain a fluidity, right? You've got to worry about the, the rhythm and meter of the music and making sure that there's some logical kind of transition from one to the next. And then also what you're pointing out here, the, the genre probably. You have an ear for what's kind of reasonably similar and some kind of intuition. But it sounds like in this case, you're able to just completely break that in all sorts of ways. Yeah. But as I said in the beginning,、uh, it's not、uh, completely random. Of course. Yeah. So AI has its own logic to choose that song, and it went well. So, yeah. That part was very interesting. So, do you think there, and this is maybe like an, an interpretability question here, but into this question of AI teaching you about how you could play, there's one sense in which you can look at well, this AI system made the decision to play, play jazz after techno. And so now I'm aware that that is a combination of music I can use. But another Thing that you might be interested in is what you just said, and that the AI system has maybe its, its own way of making these decisions, right? And so, is that something you're kind of you know, curious about, sort of looking into, in that there's this totally different decision procedure 
again, maybe it's just totally not interpretable to you. But if it were, then that maybe is like a different avenue for you to leverage a way of thinking, perhaps, that also yields new different combinations as well. Yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, well, uh, now I don't have any uh, systematic uh, way to look into uh, why AI selected that song, but I can sense some, I could sense this some uh, commonality between the techno song and, and the jazz song AI selected. So it was a, a, a rhythmic structure uh, in those particular songs. So as a DJ, I tend to uh, you know, stick to one genre and uh, I don't want to branch, I don't usually uh, branch out uh, to different genres, but uh, uh, I think AI could find some commonality and similarity between two genres or two songs, which I couldn't see yeah, in advance. So that was interesting. Maybe this is this is a bit this could be a bit too broad of a question, but I guess I'm always curious just about how this entire project as a whole, whether it's maybe altered your perspective on just besides, you know, some of these details about what sort of genres can I combine, what rhythms can I combine? Has it altered your perspective at all on DJing as a practice, how you think about it, how you relate to others in that way? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so nowadays it's getting more and more easy and easier to start DJing because you don't have to teach yourself how to match tempo or how to you know, match beat because you, you can use DJ software uh, that matches a beat and mix them together. So it's getting much more accessible uh and uh so i wonder what's the value of human dj is <laughs> on stage and uh so i think this is slightly off topic but uh i think the value of human dj on stage is that he or she can show how they appreciate that music and enjoy the music to the audience and uh that's why they can kind of emit the energy <laughs> to the audience. So, yeah, be before doing before doing this project, I was kind of uh, very serious when I do DJ. So I, I don't <laughs> smile. And I just look down and you know <laughs> just mixing and uh, playing. But uh, I, I, after this uh, project, I started thinking like I should show uh, the audience how I enjoy the music as a human being. That, so that's, that's AI cannot do. <laughs> that's one thing AI cannot do, right? And uh, also, so this project started as a back-to-back like -back DJ session. So what AI does was to select music but nowadays uh it evolved into different form of ai dj project uh so now i use 
AI to generate audio loops and melodies and uh, rhythms uh, with AI. And as a DJ, I mix them together to perform as a DJ for a certain amount of time. So, yeah, so um, now uh, this AI DJ project be uh, became more like a live performance, uh, not necessarily a DJ performance. So I think that's the future of DJing. So the boundary between DJ and live performance will be much more uh, nuanced and fuzzy. So yeah, everything. And maybe uh, music production as well. Uh, it, as I said, uh, it becomes more like a DJ because you can generate any materials, any content with generative AI. So as a music, music producer, your task is to find good materials and mix them together in your own way. So music performance, DJ, um, music production, everything becomes more like DJing. And I, I think it applies to other artistic uh, practices like illustration or, you know, painting or maybe photography as well. So, yeah, nowadays, I think everything becomes uh, more like DJing. I want to put what you said about what seems to be the, the vital kind of unshakable role of the human being in all of this and maybe slightly different words, because I found that really interesting. And it does connect to a lot of things we're thinking about right now when it comes to language models and the language they articulate and whether they have access to things like meaning or an experience of the world, right? There's the sort of classic symbol grounding problems you have about LLMs and AI systems about, well, do the things these things output have intrinsic meaning to them? And so analogously though, for you as a DJ to what you're saying, when you're mixing tracks together, even if the raw materials themselves weren't created by you, you are affected in some way, right? You have a subjective experience of the world. You can feel things and you're able to transmit that to the people who are listening to your music. And I think this very much reminds me of, you know, Leo Tolstoy has this like really great book that he wrote towards the end of his life called What is Art? And he's really just trying to meditate on the question of, well, what exactly is this discipline that involves things like painting, like the creation of music? that demands so much effort? And what is it about this discipline that actually justifies the immense amount of time and labor that goes into it? And the criteria for him of what he thinks is art is that the artist is taking their internal experience, their, their feelings, and they are trying to faithfully transmit those feelings to the person who at the end of the day consumes their art. And it seems to me like what you're saying about the role of the DJ is very much similar to that in a way, the transmission of a feeling to people. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> so I think a good place to kind of come to some really broad thoughts on, on everything we've discussed here is on 
a book that you've written recently, and in this you articulate the idea of of surfing with AI, which I think is a really interesting phrase. So I, I'd love for you to to introduce what exactly surfing with AI is and perhaps some of the ideas that you've pursued in this book. Uh, yeah, so surfing is very unique sport, very unique activity. Like you have to be passive and you have to be active at the same time. I mean, I, I say passive, uh, that means uh, you have to uh, you have to have waves, and you have to. I mean, you let waves carry you to somewhere, uh, you know. And uh, but at the same time, you have to be active and conscious uh, which wave you want to ride, uh, you want to take, and uh, where you want to uh, make turns. So this kind of uh, in, um, in between state, uh, I mean, between activeness and passiveness is quite unique. And that's why I really like surfing. But uh, I think it applies to uh, the relationship with AI. Of course, you have to be very conscious when and where you want to use AI, but at the same time, you should be, um, sometimes you should be let loose and you should let AI to bring bring you somewhere where uh, you don't expect to be, to end up. End up. Uh, and uh, so that's, uh, in between uh, state uh, is very uh, interesting and important, I think, uh, when it comes to AI. But uh, obviously, uh, I, I, I'm talking about creative practice uh, with AI. <laughs> I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want a self-driving car to be, <laughs> you know, unpre- unpredictable. <laughs> Not at all. No. So that's, um, as I said in the beginning, uh, people tend to think AI as a tool. So you have an idea and you materialize your idea through AI. Uh, that's sometimes a case, the case. But uh, I think it's more interesting to let AI bring you somewhere else or somewhere you know you don't expect. So in uh, this concept of uh, surfing with AI, I uh, I want to convey uh, this message of uh, in between state of, uh, of passiveness and uh, activeness. Yeah, yeah. So I'm working working on the English translation of this book. I can't wait to read it. I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. Ken Liu said something very similar, I recall, about the allowing AI systems to take you places. He was one of the writers who participated in Google's WordCraft workshop, where they had a bunch of them work with a model by Google called WordCraft that was very similar to the Lambda model, but more optimized for collaboratively writing together. And he talked a little bit about how 
his conception of, well, I'm trying to write a story with the aid of this AI system became less of, again, me dominating totally in the driver's seat, like what you're saying, but more of seeing where the AI takes me. And, you know, maybe I look at it and it seems a little bit weird, but saying yes and, and seeing where that takes me. And in that process, the yes and thing, it's very much like an improv phrase, right? You're doing this kind of joint improvisation with the system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe it's more like, uh, it's, it's like surfing and it's like dancing with somebody. You, you have to tr- uh, trust your partner and you have to act upon your partner's intentionally, you know, but you, you have some sort of control, but sometimes you have to be passive and let loose. Yeah, I, I think when it comes to the idea of, of a creative endeavor, right? You were talking earlier about the vision of AI systems as a tool in which I have a set expectation, a thing I want to achieve. And I just need the system to to do the thing that I said. But I think the the key thing you're getting at here is we do have to, in a lot of ways, and I think in, in many creative acts, we, we want to let go of that defined end goal, right? And I think you used the Scott Adams quotation somewhere that creativity is allowing yourself to make mistakes and art is knowing which ones to keep, right? And I suppose... I suppose when you look at it from the perspective of, well, I don't have a predefined goal anymore, then then what it is to be a mistake also kind of falters a little bit, right? Maybe this thing that happened, this thing the system produced is unexpected to me. But if I've if I've let go of the totally set goal mindset, then that's no longer a mistake. It's just something unexpected, kind of another wave you can ride. Yeah, I could call it call it like a happy accident. Exactly. This is a really, I think, interesting set of thoughts. And perhaps as, as a final question on, on all of this, we've talked a little bit about your perspectives kind of coming up to today, a lot of the work you've done, how you think about and conceptualize AI. And from the perspective of somebody like you, who is very much a creative, somebody who is maybe using AI systems in ways that a lot of people aren't, there are many of us out there who are doing things that are a little bit more prosaic, more well-defined. You mentioned building self-driving cars, things like these. And in those ways, we definitely might have different goals, right? And those might call for us to think about and interact with AI systems in ways that are a little bit different from what we've talked about here. But my, my final question to you is for the rest of us, those of us who maybe don't have as much time or, you know, aren't doing as much at the intersection of AI and creativity specifically, what would you hope that people who are interested in and are working on other pursuits take away from some of the experiences that that you've had with AI systems and the ways that you think about the ways that people and those systems interact from a creative perspective? That's a... Big question, <laughs> very challenging question. One thing I could say is that uh, people tend to think AI is an automation tool, but it's uh, not the case. Um, 
I mean, you can use AI in other ways and uh, in any domains or any uh, genres or business,、uh, you know, any industries, you can find、um, interesting ways to use AI、uh, besides automating something. And、uh, I, I think this concept of, of surfing with AI can apply to any domains or any、uh, industries. But the, the level of uncertainty、uh, is different, you know, as, as I said,、uh, in self driving car or insurance company, you, you cannot. <laughs>、uh, Um, accept uh, third, uh, uncertainty. But、uh, I, I think、uh, there must be some way to integrate AI in interesting way or、um, rather than just、uh, try to automate things we do. I think you're absolutely right about that. And I think that is a great takeaway to end on. So now I really appreciate your work and I'm, I'm very excited to see more of what comes out of your AI DJ project. I will be a very excited reader of surfing with AI when the English translation comes out. So thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you for speaking with me today. Thank you for having me. And that is a wrap, my friends. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, you can subscribe to The Gradient on Substack to receive not just this podcast, but also our articles and newsletters directly to your email. You can also visit us at thegradient.pub, where you'll find all of that, as well as more information about The Gradient and how you could even contribute if you're interested. And finally, if you enjoyed this episode, we would really appreciate your feedback. If you'd like to leave a comment or review, we'd love to know how we can make this series more interesting and informative to you. And with all that, I'll leave you until the next episode.